Lying in wait? Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello once again, my dear listeners. This is Dr. Johnny, and this is another episode of Pushback. You know, I've been really hitting hard this year, uh, this notion of killing our kids. I know this is hard to hear, uh, but I feel like it's a call to my listeners, a call to the culture uh, that we really need to wake up. We need to see what's happening and we need to connect not only for the future and the culture of our country, our neighborhood, our families, uh, but especially for and on behalf of our children. Is it possible that the cultural decisions we're making today is actually affecting our children? Of course it is. Is it killing our kids? I believe it is. I believe we really hit a crossroads in our cultural, uh, if you want to call them culture wars, if you want to call it a cultural divide, uh, but it's a call to push back. And, And the targets of this notion are the four Ps parents, uh, Pharisees, politicians, and what I call pseudoscience. We're going to get out to all of those, but of course, the first and most important category are parents. We're the ones that make the biggest influence and biggest difference in our children's lives. And that has to be true. And if it is true for all of us as parents, then we are the ones that we need to grab attention. We are the ones that can make the most difference. And we are the ones that need to be injected into our children's lives in such a positive, productive way that their lives are fruitful, that they have purpose, that they wake up every morning ready for the challenge of the adventure of the kingdom in which they were born into. And ultimately, I believe it actually saves their lives. So many of the topics I've talked about so far, starting in 2024, have been really about boundaries and, and putting this, this safety and protection around our children, but it's not even safety and protection. It's creating this place where they can actually operate in complete freedom. Boundaries are a beautiful thing. It actually creates freedom, not constriction. It actually creates forward movement, not imprisonment. And so I believe it's so critical that we talk about those things. And so many things about boundaries protect them from high-risk choices. And the things of this world, the boundaries that the Father gave us so that we live a productive, healthy life for him and for his kingdom. That's what it's all about. And so many of the things I've talked about so far have been sort of affect our children's psyche or their ability to have purpose. But there are some things that are just literally killing our kids, like affecting their physical bodies. I talked a little bit last week about iPhones and and smartphones and social media and how that consumes us and consumes our children. Maybe I didn't emphasize enough 
in last podcast, just the notion of kids driving with these in their hands, is that directly killing them in, in unbelievable proportions? Our family was directly influenced in, by that as, as a young man was reading his phone, T-boned my daughter's car. And she was injured, severely injured. She's doing fine now, but it was a very stressful, tenuous thing when you see these things happening. These are literally killing our kids because he looked down on his phone even just for a couple seconds. And so maybe I didn't emphasize that well enough last week, but um, there's obviously the psychosocial component to cell phone usage, but there's also just these physical things that happen. Obviously, we don't have to look past drug use and the fentanyl crisis and and the things that are happening in this world. And I'm going to get to that this month as well, directly affecting us. But what I want to talk about today is this issue of childhood obesity, because this is another example of a direct connection between choices um, and the physical effects it has on our children even leading to morbidity and mortality. And I believe maybe more than any other topic that I'll be speaking about, this is under direct control of parents. And as hard as it is to hear it, nobody else is going to help us with this. You say, well, schools can implement programs and eat healthier and increase physical activity. But my friends, I hate to report this to you. It's getting worse at schools, not better. They are implementing cheaper foods because of budgetary constraints and they're cutting out physical activity because of the same. And the school cannot be counted on to look out for the welfare of our children and their physical bodies. So it's literally killing our kids. And parents need to recognize the problem. So what is the problem? Let me just give you some statistics. The prevalence of obesity, this is as of 2020, was 19.7%. Now, when we talk about obesity, we're talking about based on body mass index above the 95th percentile. So these children are heavier than 95th percent, 95% of their peers. <clears throat> and it's based on height and weight and different factors like actually create the BMI. And I'm not going to have time to talk about the BMI specifically, but it's a marker that can be used to judge and to talk about obesity itself. So 20% of children and adolescents, one in five, are considered obese. And when we just talk about overweight or obese, it climbs to 33%, one in three children. When we talk about very specific states, most notably southern states, it gets to four in 10 or 40% of children are overweight or obese. And this most sobering statistic is the really changes that have happened over time. This is growing at an incredible level. I believe even 20, 30 years ago, it was somewhere around two to 5%. And so there's something that has changed. There's a shift that has obviously occurred in our culture and our society that has caused an epidemic proportion of obesity. We've learned and we continue to learn even as physicians, the impact that being overweight and obese has on our body. And I could spend 
hours and hours just lecturing on that alone, but let me just put it in a nutshell for you. Children are taking medications that adults were used to be the only ones taking. And we're talking about heart disease and hypertension and especially diabetes and even sleep apnea. And some of these these problems that were adult problems, even cardiovascular disease, we're seeing this now in younger and younger people. Statistics are coming out even from two to five-year-olds that 13% are obese. Something's going on here. And we're seeing it more and more and becoming more and more prevalent. There is physical exercise recommendations that have been tested and tried and true over time. And for kids, uh, children and adolescents, they're recommending 60 minutes, one hour or more of moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity a day. Now, I even go back to my childhood, which wasn't that long ago, and if my children are listening, don't make any comments, that we would come home from school and we would play outside for two, three, four hours. That's what you did, or you did physical work or, or other types of exercise. That's just not the case anymore. And so we think of one hour and we think maybe that's not so much, but in this day and age, that's what's recommended and yet still not being achieved. As part of the 60 minutes, on at least three days a week, children and adolescents need vigorous activity such as running or playing soccer or tennis or football or something that's more vigorous where they're, they're, they're um, exerting their body in even a greater way. That's just three days of the week. Otherwise, one hour of moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity daily is recommended. That's what we see. So... The question is, is this being taken seriously? If this is true and we're seeing more problems, I think, I think the COVID epidemic actually brought out something that was, I think, very tell, was a very big uh, tell about obesity and health. Um, obesity became an independent risk factor for COVID-19 infection complications. So we as physicians, when people would come in and they'd come in sick, especially in the early courses of COVID, we had to sort of triage them based on risk factors. Not everybody needed to be treated. Not everybody needed to be put in the hospital. Not everybody needed medications or steroids. There were, there were criteria that we quickly adopted so that we could select the right people for the right treatment. And obesity and morbid obesity was an absolute independent risk factor. If you had no other risk factors other than you were overweight or obese, it puts you at the high tier category of complications. We learned a lot from that. We always knew that it wasn't healthy to be have that much weight. But now we knew when the body succumbed to this virus called COVID-19 that the mortality of the patient skyrocketed. And so that's just one example of so many different aspects of obesity and what it does to your body. And so this, this notion of diabetes, you know, we were always trained in medical school about type one and type two diabetes. It used to be called adult onset diabetes or childhood diabetes. Now, let me explain. It means if you were born with it, if there's this genetic predisposition to diabetes, you'd have type 1 diabetes, meaning that there was a problem inherent in your pancreas from when you were born. 
And type 2 diabetes being something that you developed over time, usually because of weight uh, or sometimes genetics as well. And it would be type 2 diabetes. But now we can't even make that distinction anymore because diabetes is starting at such a young age, we have to actually test it out. We have to see, is this something that you were just born with, like juvenile onset, or is this something that you've developed because of obesity? And we're seeing more and more the use of even insulin in younger people because of the epidemic of weight. So is it being taken seriously? Are we noticing this as a society, as parents? Are we seeing the importance of it? A couple of great articles and a couple of great quotes from doctors, I think super. it really helps sort of ferret this out. Let me read from Dr. Rani Whitfield uh, from the American Heart Association. Um, writes, Childhood obesity is not a cosmetic issue or something the child will just grow out of. Obese children tend to become obese adults, and there are many medical issues associated with obesity. Child Children are now taking the same type of medications as their parents to manage blood pressure, diabetes, and cholesterol. This is frightening, but true. The article goes on to say, unfortunately, what Dr. Whitfield says is no exaggeration. Over the past 30 years, the rate of childhood obesity has more than doubled in children. The prevalence of obesity in children ages 6 to 11 increased from 7% in 1980 to 18% in 2012, and now we know it's actually over 20% in 2020. While the percentage of adolescents with obesity aged 12 to 19 soared from 5% to 21% in the same period, now we know it's even higher than that. These significant increases have led to the rise in obesity-related health conditions among children and adolescents. No surprise. A 2007 population-based survey of 5 to 17-year-olds revealed that around 70% of children and adolescents with obesity have at least one risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And it has been well established that the conditioning can increase the risk of musculoskeletal diseases, diabetes, and cancer. The effects of childhood obesity can persist well into adulthood, and there's a global concern that if rates of childhood obesity continue to rise, so will the prevalence of related medical conditions. No surprise. This will not only put the health of future generations at risk, but will also put an enormous strain on the economy. And this article asks, are we taking childhood obesity as seriously as we should? And my question is, who's the we? <laughs> who's the we? It's us, the parents. We're the ones that need to recognize that this is a, an issue and we need to be proactive with our children because their life depends on it. Amanda Stellano, PhD, co-chair of the Public Affairs Committee at the Obesity Society, writes, The availability of liquid calories and empty calories combined with a deluge of fast food and junk food advertisements have changed the way children eat. The majority of children fail to meet the recommended 60 minutes of daily physical activity and spend a huge amount of time sitting. The way we've structured our daily lives make it hard for children to live healthy. The way we structured our daily lives, the question is, who is we? And the answer is parents. We're the ones that structure our children's lives. We're the ones that can make it easier for our children to live healthy healthier. It goes on to say, it is clear that the lifestyle changes have had significant impact on childhood obesity over the last 30 years. Children used to consume one snack a day, while now 
It's up to six snacks a day. Six. Food and drink portion sizes are also bigger than they were 30 years ago. In the mid-1970s, a standard sugar-sweetened drink was 13.6 ounces. Today, it's 20. That's the average. We're supersizing everything. Level of physical activity has reduced over the last three decades. The CDC states that last year, only 29% of high school students participated in the recommended 60 minutes of exercise per day. I mean, 7 in 10 are not reaching this fairly simple milestone. Gone are the days when children would run around and play for hours after school. Now they are more likely to engage in sedentary behaviors such as watching TV, playing computer games, or using social media, which we talked about last week. Listen to this. Children now spend an average of 7.5 hours a day using entertainment media. Not sure we have to go much farther than that, but come on, parents. We are the ones that control that. We are the ones that have the ability to change the culture of our homes. Recent report from the CDC found that 30.2% of children and adolescents in the U.S. misperceive their weight status. I believe that this is so critical and why I'm bringing this podcast to you. Around 48% of boys with obesity and 36% of girls with obesity, that's greater than 95% on the BMI, consider their weight to be normal according to the report. A study published in the Journal of Maternal and Children Nutrition found that 62% of parents of children with obesity perceive their child as being of a healthy weight. Six in 10 parents just aren't getting it. They're not seeing it. They're not recognizing it. And this isn't slightly overweight. These are obese children. 62% of parents see their obese children as being of healthy weight. It's the purpose of this podcast, my friends, is to reveal the truth about this. Yes, physicians have a role to play. Yes, school administrators have a role to play, but not anywhere close to the role that parents play on an everyday basis in their child's life. Dr. Uh, uh, Eliana Perrin Associate Professor of Pediatrics at North Carolina Children's Hospital writes, Parents often do not recognize when their children are becoming overweight because young children at a healthy weight look skinny and because children who are overweight are becoming the norm. Parents often do not recognize, realize when their children are not on a healthy track. I think they only start, they only start to worry when obesity affects their day-to-day lives. This is a call to urgency, parents, about your children. You have the role to play. If they are easily meeting the standards of 60 minutes per day and they're eating healthy and and their BMI is in a healthy range, then great. Continue what you're doing. If not, then we need to make some changes. Let me just make some simple recommendations. Dietary recommendations. This notion of three huge meals per day is not healthy because the child becomes so hungry, they tend to overeat. Smaller, more frequent meals. Paying attention to hunger and calories. Although I do not advocate at younger ages, especially with girls, counting calories because that can also be dangerous, but we can pay attention to calories and it's really about food choices. 
It's about connecting them to healthy food choices and eliminating the empty calories, the calories that are just calories without any nutritional value. So we can absolutely, as families, pay close attention and research what are good, healthy food choices and have them eat smaller portions more frequently so that they don't become overly hungry. There are lifestyle recommendations. Studies have shown that families that actually eat together have lower overweight and obesity rates than families that don't. And maybe that has everything to do with lifestyle of of not having time to eat together. So we get faster meals and cheaper meals and higher carbohydrates and higher calories. That could be true. But also studies have shown that when we sit and we talk about our day, it actually reduces stress. It actually reduces the stress eating. And people, all people at the table end up actually eating a little bit less. Interesting, isn't it? And here's, I think, one of the most important things, parents, is to exercise together. I noticed that my, when my children, they, they are very active children. But as soon as dad says, I will play horse with you, all of the children stand up and go play. Why is that? They enjoy playing with me and I enjoy beating them. (laughs) Yes, I put that on the record. I can still beat them at horse, probably not much else. (laughs) But exercising together, we can actually demonstrate a healthy lifestyle to our children and it's good for our bodies too. Please see previous podcasts. But spending time together, showing them the joy and the fun of actually physical activity makes all the difference in the world. And I would challenge you to see how many times your children decline playing something with you. I bet you the number is very small. They're always going to want to do stuff with you. And I believe there are cultural recommendations. This is what this podcast is often about. And I, and, and I never want to create shame Uh, or to body shame anyone, but to normalize something that is unhealthy is not good for our culture. You walk into Target, it kind of drives me crazy, but you will now notice that all the advertising billboards, especially in the women's section, are those women who are overweight. Now they're trying to appeal to to the mass, no pun intended, to the mass audience who are now significantly overweight. That's now their target audience, no pun intended. their target audience. And so I get that. I I understand the advertising behind it, but it concerns me as a physician when we normalize something that is unhealthy. Would it be weird if Target put all their billboards with somebody smoking? Well, 50, 60, 70 years ago, that was normal. People did it unknowingly because they didn't realize how unhealthy it was. And so it'd be weird now that we know the health effects of smoking to actually advertise it and to promote it in your stores. We don't do that anymore. And yet now because somebody is overweight and and obese, it's become more normal in, in our society that now we actually use it as advertisement? That doesn't sit well with me. It's not about shame. It's not about shaming unwise choices, but we can applaud and encourage healthy ones. And we can show this and demonstrate this in our homes. That's the role of parenting. It's not the role of advertisements. They're just trying to make money. I don't even blame them for that. But I'm bringing out the point that we as parents are the ones that are proactive. We're on the front lines for our children. And we don't want to portray that as normalcy. 
This is a struggle and we get it. It's a struggle in my own life to control my own weight and maybe it's in yours as well. And so I'm not minimizing that and I'm not trying to shame anybody who is overweight. That's not the goal of this. But we have to understand what is healthy. And as it continues to become more insidious even into our young people, this is a problem in our culture. I love the word fit. When you look up the definition, it's the condition of being physically fit and healthy. But it's also the quality of being suitable to fulfill a particular role or task. I love that sentence because we have work to do and we need our bodies to be ready and able, no matter what our age is, to do the things that he's actually called us to do. Physical fitness, where we're physically fit to do what he's called us to do. And if we're raising up a whole generation that isn't physically fit, we have a serious problem. A serious problem. I just saw the statistic that 71% of our current teens would be unfit to serve in our military even if they wanted to. 71%. This is a problem. It's a problem even to our national security. But it's definitely a problem when there's decreased life fulfillment and experience, when our children are not fit to do what they want to do, and and their desire in their heart is to sit for seven and a half hours in front of a screen. There's something wrong. And we as parents need to demonstrate the joy of physical movement and activity so that they, they have a desire to get up and do the things that the Lord has called them to do. We don't want them to experience decreased life fulfillment and experience as well as decreased life expectancy. That's what we're talking about here. I'm hitting it hard this year, my friends, in regards to killing our kids. And parents can change the narrative and they can disrupt the culture. That's why we're here on this earth and our kids are our most precious things. So let's implement healthy lifestyles. Let's eat together. Let's talk together. Let's play together. Because that's healthy and the way the Lord designed it. So with that information, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.